This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one-year anniversary. That's right, one year. And as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30-day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today and use coupon code 30DAYSFREE. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today. This is Billy Carson with Forbidden Knowledge Inc. And I want to announce an amazing giveaway. I am going to be giving away a 2013 Rolls Royce Ghost on December 18th. 2021. All you have to do to enter is go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com. That's ForbiddenKnowledge.com with the number four. Click on giveaways and register and buy your ticket for a chance to win a Rolls Royce Ghost on December 18th, 2021. It's going to be an amazing giveaway and it will be held at the Holman Motor Cars where they actually sell the Rolls Royce in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'll see you there. You are watching Forbidden Knowledge TV. What's up, everyone? Billy Carson here, Forbidden Knowledge. Today, I'm going to go on a forbidden rant. Um, you've seen my rants before, <laughs> uh, and, and you know people have commented on them over the years, and uh, they've gotten a lot of views. A lot of them have gone viral on various different topics, from religion to spirituality to sciences to whatever. Uh, so I decided to add the forbidden rant to my podcast, so probably twice a month. I'll go on my podcast like today, and uh, and I'll just rant on a topic. <clears throat> so today I'm going to talk about UFOs, UAPs, and aliens. And uh, I actually have a partial slideshow I'm going to inject into this. I'll be very descriptive so that if you are listening to this, uh, you can get some type of idea of, of the point that I'm trying to make. But what we see right now is uh, a huge, huge push now towards the disclosure of some type of uh, unidentified flying object. They're calling them UAPs, 
uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon is the terminology that has been used now. <laughs> um, and so what they're trying to say is UFOs make you sound crazy saying the word UFO. If you say UFO, it's been attributed to, attributed to uh, a, a person that's wearing a tinfoil hat. It's been attributed to a person that is uh, crazy or, you know, one of these people that's a uh, conspiracy theorist, supposedly. So what they said was, we've got to repackage this term. We can't keep calling it a UFO if we're going to talk about it on TV and in the mainstream. And we're going to make official press releases about it. We're not going to use the term UFO because it's already been basically demonized in a way, uh, which and partly was really by their doing. But now what we're going to do is we're going to call it a UAP. And by calling it a UAP, it's going to become professional. <clears throat> so what they're saying is, if you call it UAP, you're being very professional or it's coming from a professional accredited source, supposedly. Uh, and so when you hear the um, an official statement or, um, or press release coming out of any official government agency, you're going to hear that UAP term from this point forward. You're never going to hear UFO again. That's what they've done. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Now, obviously, those who have been following my accounts uh, since 2006, 7, 8, all the way through 10, when I was not forbidden knowledge, I was just uh, putting information out online and on forums, then decided to come in as forbidden knowledge in 2011. One of the very first posts I made was a Paracas skull. I think that is the actual first post that I ever made is a Paracas skull. The skull is not uh, elongated as a result of skull binding. It's elongated as a result of uh, the actual genetics of that being, of that person. And there is actual more brain cavity, which means an increased brain mass. In skull binding, you get a decreased amount of brain uh, mass because you actually force the skull to become smaller and more narrow, giving the brain less room to actually develop. And so this Paraka skull and many, many others now, thousands of others that have been found are not as a result of skull binding. A lot of them only have one parietal plate, whereas a normal human being has two parietal plates. So there's something very interesting going on and has been going on on this planet for a very, very, very long time. And the, the, the deeper I dig into ancient texts and tablets and cylinder scrolls and papyruses and scriptures, the more UFOs I discover. The more identified flying objects I discover, because the people are actually identifying and describing them to the best of their ability. In some cases, when they're being described by these beings themselves, the, the, uh, the description is very, very clear. So these UFOs and UAPs are nothing new. Now, there is a division point. Some of these objects are made by us, without a doubt. I would almost be safe to assume that most of these newer sightings are probably our own craft, our own black budget, unacknowledged black projects that have been used, uh, funded by American tax dollars to create uh, these craft that can fly and, and do all these crazy, incredible maneuvers and everything else. So it'd be safe to say that, um, you know, a lot of these things are actually ours. But I still do believe that there are a lot of UFOs that have been coming here to this planet for eons, eons. You want, you know, 
when people don't believe that there's UFOs out there and then the government saying that there's UFOs, these are people that just really have an egotistical mindset. They really truly believe that they are the center of the universe and that nothing else exists outside of them. It's pure ego to think that it's a, it's a liken to having a cell in your body speak out and say, you know, I'm the only cell that exists in this body. (laughs) And yet there's billions of cells in the body. Right. And, you know, it's just incredible. The mindset of a lot of people. Now, what's very interesting is the the Pentagon started releasing a lot of information. And I'm going to talk a lot about this in more depth in my upcoming workshop, uh, which is a disclosure. It's called the Forbidden Disclosure Conference. And uh, that'll be on July 17th in just a couple of short days, a few short days here. You can get a ticket on eventbrite.com or the link in the caption of this video. It's an 11-hour conference with some of the top researchers in the world in UFOs and Lou Elizondo, former, f- former uh, Pentagon employee. Uh, you know, obviously, the statement came out of the Pentagon in 2020 that we are in possession of vehicles, not of this world. Now, that came out during the uh, situation that we had on there on the planet where we had to shut everything down. And so a lot of people were focused on day-to-day survival, you know, wearing masks and trying to stay alive, so forth and so on, and not really too concerned about the fact that the uh, the military or the, you know, the governments that be are in possession of vehicles, not from Earth. It wasn't that big of a deal. It kind of scaved right over. Perfect time to release such controversial information like that. You, in, you release it during a global situation, a global shutdown where people are focused on just surviving day to day. And all they can think about is <laughs> buying toilet paper. Right. So they're buying toilet paper and water. And, uh, you know, they start to release these radar images of these objects making these crazy maneuvers and military fighters trying to track them down and chase them and can't catch up to them and everything else. When you look at these tablets, you realize that these objects have been here for a very, very long time. In the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, one of the very first thing he's told, he's told by his father, he says, uh, get ye into the great ship of thy master. And so right away, you're thinking, oh, he's got a ship. He's going to get out and go into a ship because his, his dad is sending him on a mission to another part of the world. But then as you read a little bit more, it says that he got into the ship and that the ship rose into the sky. It didn't sail out onto the ocean. It rose into the sky until the land was no more. This thing went into space. And then when it came to the point to the location that it was appointed or the location that they set their coordinates to, it saw the, the, the landing place beneath it where there was this ancient temple coming up out of the mud after a great flood. And we all know about the flood stories that really truly exist around the entire world. Well, this is a 36,000-year-old flood story. And he then begins to descend down to the land of Kem. He doesn't like cast an anchor and and get on a little, you know, a smaller boat to to you know come ashore. He descends from from the sky and he lands. And then when he opens the doors to the ship, the people there come to attack him with cudgels and spears and so forth. And he raises his staff and sends out a ray of vibration, 
stopping them as still as a stone of a mountain. So he has this vibration ray gun that he uses to shock them into, into submission and make them stop from you know, attacking him and his crew. This is an ancient text. That's just one of many, many, many accounts uh, of, of text talking about ships that fly into space, that fly to lo- other locations, and then people coming out with advanced technology. Okay? That's what this is. And so what's happening is um, we're, get, we, we're being given uh, a lot of some truth with a lot of lies. So when you hear a lot of these situations that have been cropping up with regards to, um, you know, threats to national security and all this other stuff, hmm, I tend to really think that a lot of it isn't really a national threat to security, that, um, that it's our stuff that we're, that we're experimenting with. And some of it really truly is uh, alien. But what, that, what they have done, according to all accounts from the testimony of of retired military personnel that used to work at mis- nuclear missile silos, one of the hardest jobs to get in the world. Their official testimony is that these things came there and shut the nukes off. They didn't activate them and launch them. They deactivated them and deleted the codes. And then these nuclear officers had to go back out with nuclear scientists and reactivate the nukes. Once the uh, activity ceased, In other words, once the UFO left, and this happened at many flights around the world. A flight is where you keep these these nuclear missile silos. They're called flights, and they're very, very uh, far away from the main base. They're way out there, sometimes 30, 40, 50, sometimes 100, 150 miles out in the middle of nowhere. You have these flights is what they call them, and at these flight locations, you have nuclear military officers you have guards you have um you have scientists you have physicists in all this and you have uh you know people that have the hardest job in the world the people who have the toughest job to get in the world the job where you actually know how to activate nukes and put codes into them and so forth and ufos are showing up at these places now they've been doing this for a very very long time and still there's been no activity in terms of a quote-unquote war so I really, truly don't believe that their objective of these beings that have been coming out here is to ignite a global war and destroy the planet. Because why? I think they like this planet. I think they want this planet. I think they want to see this planet strive and survive. This planet is an absolute gold mine out in the suburbs of the Milky Way galaxy. And so I think that they, they found that it's very, very important that this planet uh, continue to sustain life. Uh, and heal itself. And I do mean heal itself because this planet is a sentient, conscious being. Earth is sentient and conscious. It is not just a, a, a rock with water on it. It's much, much more than that. There are enough neural connections uh, on this planet to make it conscious. You have a rotating uh, iron core that creates an electromagnetic field that stimulates what we would consider to be uh, thoughts uh, being able to be transmitted as our brain creates a similar field in which uh, also neurons can communicate to to each other through synapses, through the neural network. Well, this planet has its own neural network of roots and interconnecting highways through crystals and other gems. 
that create a communication system. So the planet itself, in my opinion, is alive. Not to mention, if you dig an oil well and it dries up, you come back in 10, 15 years, guess what? You got oil in that well again. Why is that? That's because oil is the blood of the earth. Oil is not from, don't listen to what they told you in the history books about oil comes from dead dinosaurs and, and dead plants and all this craziness. Oil comes from the earth. The earth produces oil. Just like if I take you to uh, a hospital or a blood bank and I take blood out of your arm, take a pint of blood, you have now one pint less of blood, right? But if I come check you again in about three or four days, your body is full of blood again. How is that? Your body created more blood. The earth creates more oil and also natural gases as well. So this is not, you know, what you've seen in the history books, in my opinion, this is my personal opinion, is incorrect. And there's no, no such thing as peak oil. Peak oil is a lie. <laughs> That's what you hear about peak oil. Oh, this is why the prices are going up. Well, peak, peak oil doesn't exist and never will exist because the oil continues to be produced by the earth itself. Okay. So that whole thing was just a hike, a way to hike up the prices. But anyway, back to these... Um, and we got on for another rant there. Well, back to these aliens. So we have to understand that um, that these things have these beings have been coming here for a very long time. They do have advanced craft and UFOs. Some of them have crashed. Now, there's some people saying, well, I don't believe there's aliens because why would they fly across the vastness of space and then crash? I mean, good grief. We sent we spent over a trillion dollars sending, uh, you know, probes to Mars. And a lot of them, most or more than half of them crashed. OK, uh, you could fly across the vastness of space and come to this planet and underestimate the atmospheric pressure, bar barometric pressure, the uh, the gravity conditions, <clears throat> the magnetic field. The variables are off the charts. The atmosphere, the reentry, all these things <clears throat> create question marks. Now, let's say you are really sophisticated. and You can figure all that out and then you still get here. What about the militaries? That are going, you know what, let's try this Nikola Tesla scalar weapon on this thing and see what happens. Oh, all of a sudden it crashes. Oh, let's keep using this thing on other UFOs and make them crash and then go re and then go get the pick up the pieces and try to replicate it, which I think is exactly what happened. So I think exactly what happened is that we crashed them using uh, scalar weapons. If you don't know what they are, check in, look into it. Scalar. Scalar weapons. Nikola Tesla had come up with this long, long time ago, 1800, late 1800s. It's nothing new. The technology was being worked on by the U.S. government, also the Germans, also the Russians. <clears throat> We're talking about a technology that gives you the ability to use a particular frequency beam that can, that can affect, directly affect technology that can blow up things in the sky, that can cause them to wreak havoc on their navigational systems. All kinds of problems and issues it can cause. Okay? <clears throat> so this is what we're dealing with. And, uh, and in my opinion, this is how those craft came down. And then they were captured, um, taken away, and reverse engineered over many, many decades. And a lot of technology came out of these UFOs, which I'm going to be talking about uh, in the disclosure conference uh, on, the, on July 17th. <clears throat> but these, needless to say... Um, this is, what's, this is what has happened. But you go all the way back to the ancient past, you discover 
that these craft already existed. UFOs from other planets already existed in so many different ancient texts. It's almost incalculable to figure out how there can be that many coincidences of peoples from around this world, indigenous people from around the world talking about space people, space brothers, people coming from other star systems and then naming those star systems long before modern science, even though those star systems even existed. The, the Aboriginal people in Australia, which I had the privilege of going out to Australia in, in uh, the beginning of 2020 before all this craziness started happening, their handed down verbal history is that they were seated on this planet by the Pleiadians. Seated on the planet. And what's there out in the middle of Carryong 9 that I went to go see? Pleiadian hieroglyphs. And on the other side of the giant wall are Egyptian, proto-Egyptian hieroglyphs. On the Pleiadian glyphs show a mothership etched into a stone wall that's 5,000 years, the etching is 5,000 years old, with, with little shuttlecraft coming out the bottom of it. These are the Pleiadian glyphs that are 5,000 years old on Carryong 9 in Australia, in the outback, in the middle of nowhere. I was there. I was out there. Matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my screen real quick, real quick and, uh, and show you something. Let me just go here. For those of you who are watching this, uh, who are listening to this, I'm just going to take a quick scroll down memory lane here <laughs> and run on back to Australia. Here I am with uh, Stephen Strong in the middle of the outback. He's one of the guys that took me to the proto-Egyptian hieroglyphs. And we are getting ready to enter into carrying on out into the outback to go for our walkabout. <clears throat> and here are the glyphs that we came across. These are all original photos from my own camera. Let me expand this uh, so you guys can really see the slideshow a little bit better from the current slide. So what I'm showing now on my screen are glyphs that are Pleiadian. These are not Egyptian hieroglyphs. These are Pleiadian glyphs. The patina that's growing in the crevices of these glyphs can be dated. It dates back 5,000 years. These are the Pleiadian glyphs, wider view that I took with my, uh, my camera. You can see these symbols just are really incredible, and nobody's been able to decipher a lot of them. Now, these are the proto-Egyptian hieroglyphs on the other side. And also, who else is out there? Thoth, the Atlantean. <laughs> out in the middle of the outback, in the middle of nowhere, you see Thoth carved into, and a giant petroglyph carved into the, uh, the rock on the ground, about 30 feet tall. Um, the same being from the land of Kem, that according to him, he helped re-kickstart re re civilization in the land of Kem, which is now called modern-day Egypt, after the Great Flood. Everywhere I've been on planet Earth, this being has been there. And he's always, his history and information about being there is he's always flying in a ship that he lands in that area. So the Japanese, he was Wang Di, the first emperor of Japan that came to descended in a flying dragon. To the Egyptians, he was Thoth, 
the Atlantean priest king that descended in a sky ship to the ground to teach the, the men of Kem how to speak again and how to build again. To the Africans, he was a Dehudi, Tehudi, Jehudi in many African nations. To the people of Mesoamerica, he was a Teotihuacan, he was Kukulkan, he was Veracocha, Lord Pakal, many, many names, right? Quetzalcoatl. Everywhere you go, you're going to find this guy everywhere on the planet. And a council to the Greeks, he was Mercury, Odin. I mean, it's just, I could just, the list goes on and on. He's everywhere. He's everywhere on the planet. He covered this and he went around this entire planet many times. Um, this is just an interesting thing. Now, he didn't look like a bird for real. That's just a, sim- that's a symbology of the ibis bird. The ibis bird uses his long beak to bring sustenance out from the mud. And so it's basically saying bringing darkness to light. Thoth was bringing darkness to light. There's another giant petroglyph of him. The aboriginals say that this is him on, you know, flying on a ship through the Milky Way galaxy. How would they even know that we were in a Milky Way galaxy? That this is handed down history for thousands of years. What do they know about flying ships that could fly in space with stars? Incredible. This is another angle I'm showing on my screen of that giant. They call him Thoth Amabi in, um, in Australia. Interesting stuff. Which, Let's play this real quick here. Which gives us that esoteric story and the story of Thoth again. This for me, one, two, three UFOs in a row next to a glyph we do not understand and a glyph that means holy. That for me is really a very, very deep story. And of course below that we've got an icon that means the stars. That one there pointing down, even though that bit's gone, that represents the sky again. So I've got sky there, or stars there. I've got a UFO there. I've got one there, and I've got one there, and someone that looks like they're sitting in some sort of control panel, and it looks like they're steering. If that isn't a story about UFOs, I don't know what is. That's Stephen Strong. You'll see a lot more of that information um, from this in my upcoming documentary, The Mystery of the Gosford Glyphs, because that's where we were. We were in Gosford. Here's an image of one of the UFOs here, uh, Carry on Nine in Australia, that I took. They're Ab- Aboriginal people. They know, you know what they're talking about. They're talking about being the, seed- the first seeded people on the planet Earth itself. They were here from the time of, uh, of Lumeria. <clears throat> and the Pleiades is mentioned in a lot of ancient texts. It's mentioned a lot in Mesopotamia and a lot of... From the uh, the Sumerians, which was taught to them how to do the cuneiform tablets, how to actually you know scribe in cuneiform, it was taught to them by the Anunnaki, according to them. According to cuneiform sources, the Pleiades are among the most of important stars. They are simply known in Sumerian as the stars Mulmo, while their Akkadian name Bristol or Zapu links them to the imaginary and the cultural context of the bull of heaven, the constellation of Taurus, which is where they belong. If you look in the Bible text, you see that in the Old Testament, the Pleiades appear untranslated. uh, And you can look at the actual word here in Hebrew, and then you have 
uh, it's mentioned as follows. Let's see here. It says, uh, mentioned follows or proceeds of nearby Orion, a bright anthropomorphic constellation. In Amos, it's mentioned in Amos 5.8, in Job 9.9, in Job 38.31. The first are the references about their creation. The third is taken in the context of the following verses. Stresses their ongoing nature in the night sky, and God is speaking directly to Job and challenges him, asking him if he can bind the chains of the Pleiades. And the implication is being that really he's saying that, Job, you you can't do it, but I can He's kind of like bragging on himself. This is why I don't believe that that is the creator of the universe because the creator of the universe and it's supposed to be our quote unquote, all knowing, all loving God doesn't have a, shouldn't have an ego to brag like that. So I think that this uh, is referencing some other entity, not the creator of the universe, which I do believe there is a a creator of the universe. But anyway, uh, interesting stuff that the Pleiades is mentioned in ancient texts and in this new age information, which is called the Bible. In Amos 5, verse 8, he who has made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns midnight into dawn and darkness into day night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land, the Lord is, is his name. With a blinding flash, he destroys the stronghold and brings the fortified city to ruin. So, you know, again, we get back to the wars of the gods, and right away, you see him talking about the power that he has. Not only the, the fact that um, uh, that the power that he has to control the, the, the day and the night and and, you know, he that he made the Pleiades and Orion, where a lot of the galactic wars actually originated, according to ancient texts. But then also he has the power to destroy and destroy cities and bring them to ruin. Again, not the creator of the universe. We're talking about uh, a being here or beings that were warring and fighting and masquerading as gods and less advanced people perceived these, these beings as gods, but they were just people like you and me, nothing more, nothing less. They attributed the quote unquote deity to them because they had advanced technology and advanced wisdom and advanced knowledge. When a, when a more advanced civilization meets with a less advanced civilization, the less advanced civilization is going to deify that more advanced civilization every single time. It's just the way it is because people are, are really, I mean, <laughs> we're gullible, man. We believe a lot of stuff. So right now in the news, we're seeing the, these images of these craft, which are evading a lot of um, F-18s and so forth. What they're talking about is the TR-3B. TR-3Bs are, are these mostly flying triangle from the, from the uh, Black Budget Unacknowledged Aurora Project. Some of them have crashed in the last 10 years. They can move at unbelievable speeds. I mean, unbelievable speeds. They can make unbelievable maneuvers. They have a ferrofluid vortex engine that rotates at the center of the craft. And then they also have these maneuvering thrusters. But they have, it has an anti-gravity bubble because they've found a way to create this rotating ring of ferrofluid and electrify it and then pressurize, pressurize it to 250,000 plus atmospheres. And you get this anti-gravity bubble. And so everything within the bubble, including the actual pilot, 
does it feel the inertia of the different shifts and moves that it could make, which would kill a normal pilot? The G-forces would just destroy them. So these things can masquerade as UFOs, even though they're IFOs, identified flying objects. We know exactly what they are. And so when you hear them talking about they've been buzzing our ships and they've been doing this and they've been doing that, a lot of those guys are just us playing games. And why would they do it? Because they need money. There's no more countries to conquer. There's no more places to go install central banks. And there's no more places to go just kill the people and steal their resources. What do we got left? Space. The space war. So let's go ahead and create the fear. Because we already have the ignorance. They have already, they already, the first thing you start with when anytime you want to dominate a person or a people or a group of people is you have to first create uh, the ignorance. We are, they've already done a phenomenal job with the ignorance part. Now they just have to add the fear part, which is we're under threat. We're under attack. They can come kill us at any moment. Now you have the ignorance, which turns into fear. And then from the fear, they know how to marinate that. Let that marinate and turn that fear into anger. So once that fear turns into anger, then they come in and they say, we got a solution, guys. Let us take $18 trillion of your money so we can build a defense force against these entities that are going to kill you and your kids. So then now they got the okay, the green light okay from the people of the world, of the American people at least to go ahead and start siphoning money into, into their black budget, unacknowledged above top secret projects of which you and I will never know about. They shuffle them off into private corporations uh, for contracting so that they don't have to disclose any information about the projects themselves. They let private corporations bid on those opportunities, give the award that bid to a private corporation So that private corporation can run these black budget unacknowledged projects and develop these different technologies and never, ever, ever have to worry about a Freedom of Information Act because why? They're private and the government doesn't have to disclose anything. They can disclose to you, oh, we gave the contract to Boeing or we gave the contract to Lockheed Martin or we gave the contract whoever, right? That's what we're going to disclose. That's all they that's all we can tell you guys. We gave it to them. Now it's their IP. They have the IP now. There's nothing else that can be done. And you can't sequester that information from them. It's their IP. They own it. Intellectual property. Right? That's how it goes. It's It's all about the cheddar. It's all about the money. That's what's going on. Follow the money. Follow the money and you'll find out what these UAPs are. We're going to go deep, deep, deep into this July 17th. 2021. If you're hearing this after July 17th, go to Forbidden Knowledge TV and go to pay-per-view. You can subscribe there and get the pay-per-view of this event. 11 hours. We got Nick Pope. We've got Linda Moten Howe. We've got, uh, of course, myself, Billy Carson. We've got Jimmy Church, Lou Elizondo from the Pentagon. Uh, You know, I mean, this is going to be an amazing, amazing event. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Richard Dolan, the guy who wrote the book that most people about UFOs that most people are using on their day to day now. Being used in colleges. So we've got an amazing lineup. 11 hours. 
uh, of conference information that's going to go deep into these topics in a way that you've never heard before. We're going to expose some serious stuff, things that can't be said on TV, things that can't be said on social media platforms because they just can't. Or the, the channel will be deleted or turned off or the video will be gone. So click that link. Register for that event. Come to that event online. It's a virtual event. If you can't watch all 11 hours at once, don't worry. The replay is unlimited replay for life. Okay? Something you're going to definitely want to see. This is the typical UFO. Right now on my screen, I'm showing a circular UFO, typical UFO. Most of the UFOs that visit here, <clears throat> um, for whatever reason, they appear to be circular by nature. A lot of the ones that we recreate our uh, ARVs, alien reproduction vehicles, <clears throat> they tend to be more angular or cigar-shaped. That's how it's, you know, a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of times it's always easy to spot which ones are theirs and which ones are ours. It's all about the design. A lot of the UFOs, um, you, you, can't even see a, you can't even see where the material is being seamed together or stitched together or riveted together. Very hard to detect how it even was made. It's almost like a lot of these UFOs are just grown in some kind of weird organic way. You look at ours, you can see how they were put together. You can see the connecting points and so forth, interconnecting pieces. A lot of the times, that's what it's all about. One of the greatest evidences of a UFO, I'm going to go over this real quickly with you guys. I'm going to wrap up is the fact that we have the pyramids at Giza, the Great Pyramid in particular, which is encoded with advanced knowledge about this planet and about our solar system and about the inner planets of our solar system as well. This is one of the biggest evidences for me, which I'm going to go in detail to in detail about uh, in the conference, is the fact that the ancient past reveals exactly who these people are and where they came from. Not all of them, but at least some of them. And the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, build it I the Great Pyramid, patterned after the Pyramid of Earth Force, burning eternally so that it too might remain through the ages. In it, I build it my knowledge of magic science that translates to advanced technology, so that I might be, so that it might be here again when I return from Amenti. I, while I sleep in the halls of Amenti, my soul roaming free will incarnate and dwell amongst men in one form or another. Both is talking about his ability. He goes more in depth in, in, it, in his tablets where he talks about the fact that he can create cloned avatar bodies and then transfer his consciousness into a new body. Then he says that he walks amongst men, but unlike a man. So these beings are still uh, could potentially still be walking amongst us right now. Some of them. And you wouldn't even know. You'll think that they're just your neighbor. You think they're just, just your coworker. You think that they're just some high ranking official. In actuality, they are avatar bodies or sleeves, basically, with consciousness transfer technology so that they can uh, they have this symbiotic relationship with, uh, with the original consciousness of the host. And Thoth says he has done this 100 times 10. <laughs> yeah. So Interesting. Nobody has time in, in the ancient past to sit around and, and, and just randomly type this kind of fantasy. This is information that they, they put in, in uh, you know, etched into stone tablets that they meant. It wasn't just, you know, let me just make up this. 
let me just make up this random story about transferring my consciousness into an avatar body. So this is me here standing. Um, I'm at the Great Pyramid at Giza. I'm leaning against it right here. By the way, when you stand next to the Great Pyramid, there's so much mass there from the stones that time slows down. So somebody standing next to the pyramid, like I'm leaning right up against the pyramid there, time has completely slowed down for me by a few plonk units. Very small measure. It's a very small amount of time, but very measurable amount of time compared to somebody standing further away. But one of the most amazing anomalies here is right here on Earth. It's, you can calculate so many constants from the Great Pyramid measurements. The tropical year or the calendar year is the length of the base side, which is 9,131 pyramid inches, measured at the mean socket level, which is 365.24 pyramid cubits. So you get the, the days in a year, basically, from making that calculation and measurement. They knew this when they built the Great Pyramid. It's not a, it's not a coincidence. The perimeter of the base divided by 100 equals 365.24. Again, they're trying to send a signal. Hey, guys, we've built this and encoded this pyramid, not only as a scale of the Earth, but also to give you the information about the planet you live on. The number of days in a year, 365.24. The tropical year can be calculated. The length of the antechamber used as the diameter of the circle produces the circumference of 365.24, accurate to within six digits. The tropical year can be calculated. The ratio of the lengths of the grand, of the grand gallery to the solid diagonal of the king's chamber times 100 equals the number of days in a tropical year. I mean, guys, these aren't coincidences. You can calculate the sidereal year. The length of the antechamber of the king's chamber times pi equals the length of the sidereal year. Again, accurate to within only eight digits. The mean distance to the sun. Half of the length of the diagonal of the base times 10 to the sixth power equals the average distance to the sun. Now you tell me <laughs> how somebody can calculate the distance to the sun from Earth just by looking up at the sky. You can't do it. You need technology to do it. You need something that can measure distances, most likely a satellite most likely the Black Knight Satellite, which is coming up in my new documentary, Black Knight Satellite, The Untold Story, where I'll be exposing the Black Knight Satellite and showing how it's linked to the ancient past in an amazing, mind-blowing two-hour documentary that's coming out very soon. It's almost done. It's about 70% complete now. You can calculate the mean distance to the sun also. The height of the pyramid times 10 to the ninth power represents the mean radius of the Earth's orbit around the sun, or the AU, the astronomical unit. You can actually calculate the actual AU, the astronomical unit. That's the distance from the Earth to the sun. And you can also calculate the orbit around the Earth's orbit around the sun itself by using the measurements encoded inside of the Great Pyramid. You can also get the sun's radius Twice the perimeter of the bottom of the granite coffer times 10 to the eighth is the sun's mean radius. I mean, come on, guys. 427,316 miles. I mean, 
you can't just get this stuff. You can't just look up in the sky and go, you know what? I think the sun is 427,000 miles in diameter. You just, you're not going to get that information unless you're, you're dealing with advanced technology. And what I'm saying is these UFOs have been coming here for a long time. And when they were coming here back in the day, they were interacting directly with people who were a less advanced civilization at the time. We were less advanced. And they were giving us this information and they were building these structures on the planet. They were building this stuff for people that are alive today, right now. Us. We are the ones that have the capability of figuring this stuff out. I've got so many calculations. I can sit here for five hours giving you all the information. It's too much time. I did a whole workshop on this for five hours. Just going over all the measurements. They did this for a reason. It's for us today to say, hey, guys, circumstantial evidence. Yeah, we were here. Right now, today, if you're going to take somebody to trial and you don't have enough uh, genetic evidence that they committed a crime or whatever, like DNA or whatever, but you have a lot of circumstantial evidence, that person can be found guilty. What we're saying, you can find enough circumstantial evidence here to prove without a shadow of doubt that beings have been visiting here for a very, very long time. You can calculate Earth's polar radius. The sacred cubit times 10 to the 7th power equals the polar radius of the Earth. Think about that, guys. 3,950 miles, 3,950. Again, more evidence of advanced technology. They encoded these into the cubits in the building structure of the Great Pyramid. Another way to do it is Earth's polar radius. The pyramid embodies a scale ratio of 1 by 43,200 of the Earth. So if you were to upscale the Great Pyramid by... Uh, 43,200 times, you can fit it directly inside the circumference of the Earth. So the Great Pyramid is a scale of the Earth itself. It's Earth scaled down in a tetrahedron form. The height is 43,200, which is 39, 3,938.685 miles, which is the polar radius of the Earth to within 11 miles. You can calculate that simply by the um, you know, the, the, uh, the structure of the pyramid that's encoded, the, the mathematics that's encoded into the structure of the pyramid itself. I'm going to do this and I'm going to wrap it up, guys. A few more things that you can get. The precise definition of the royal cubit as it relates to the Earth, the size and shape of the Earth, the mass and density of the Earth, the gravitational constant, the escape velocity of the Earth to obtain an orbit, which is 33 times the speed of sound, by the way. The escape velocity of the Earth to obtain an escape from combined Earth and Sun gravitational field, so you get a pathway to utilize and the escape velocity, which is the speed you need to be traveling, um, multiples of the speed of sound to escape both of those and extend and, and be able to go um, uh, interplanetary to escape the Sun's gravity. The significance of the location of the Great Pyramid, the the golden ratio, the mass of the Sun, the mass of the Moon, the mean distance to the Sun, and the circumference of the Earth's orbit the neutral points of gravity between Earth and the Sun, the mean distance to the Moon, the orbital velocity of the Earth, the orbital velocity of the Moon, the metatonic 19-year cycle of the Moon's orbit of the Earth, the Lagrange point between the Earth and the Moon, the speed of light, the orbital velocity of the solar system relative to the center of the Milky Way galaxy, and the velocity of the local group of galaxies, which includes the Milky Way relative to the universe. 
So again, why aren't we get being taught this information in school? Why aren't we being told about this? Why isn't this on the news every day instead of mm, some UAPs just flashed by our military ships and, and you know, uh, harassed us? Why aren't we talking about this information showing what has happened here in the past, that these people have been coming for a very, very long time, and they want to find out what the heck we're doing and when we're going to grow up? That's really what it boils down to. Let me unshare this screen. We ourselves have done some things just like some of the accounts of aliens have done to us and abductions and so forth, which I do believe occur because too many millions of people have said, said it. I don't think there's any immediate threat from any alien to destroy the planet and kill all the humans. I just don't see it. We would have been gone already. They have many opportunities to do it. And I don't think they would do it with guns a blazing. I think they just release a frequency on us and we'd all drop dead leaving everything around us fine and safe for utilization. So there's no way that they would, um, you know, I don't see anybody coming here with laser beams and that's old fashioned movie, Hollywood movies, in my opinion. But what I do see is human beings. We go out to in national geographic. You see, we go out to the, uh, the Sahara desert. We go out to um, the jungles in Peru, to the Amazon and so forth. And what do we do? We alien abduct animals. We shoot them with darts that knock them out. And when they're in this state of um, uh, paralysis, we then grab their bodies and we take them away to our little secret laboratory. Sound, sound familiar to you yet? We probe their body parts. We extract their, their, uh, um, you know, their blood, their saliva. We even uh, check their genitals. We take eggs out of, their, out of their ovaries. Sound familiar to you yet? Sound like an alien abduction yet? We take semen from them. Sound familiar yet? After we collect all this genetic material, we then in, we insert a tracking device under their skin. Sound familiar yet? Then we, would, we do what? We release them back into their environment. Sound familiar? Then what do we do? We watch and monitor them. See how they interact, see how they how far they travel, see how they establish their boundaries and their borders, how they interact with one another, how their family settings work. We study, 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 and we track and log and monitor everything about them. We research their DNA and genetic material that we've collected. We actually do all kinds of experiments with it. Sound familiar? Yeah. Same thing that we're doing to animals, somebody else has been doing to us. And it's real. It's real. And they're watching and monitoring and checking. And a lot of them, I think, are just waiting to see when we're going to grow up. Now, I, th I believe that the Anunnaki violated the prime directive. The prime directive is uh, when you see a less advanced civilization, do not interact in a way with them where, as to they are aware of your presence. And this is why a lot of the UFOs are cloaked in ultraviolet, in infrared, in multi-spectrum lighting that the human eye can't pick up. Because they're, they're, you look up, you think you see, oh, I see a beautiful day, nothing but a bunch of clouds. And they're all up there, UFOs all over the place. You just can't see them. 
because they are operating under the prime directive. Do not interact. Do not interfere. If you do, they cannot, you cannot be detected. The Anunnaki violated those principles and actually lived amongst the people at some point, some of them, operating and maneuvering and, and masquerading as the God of the Bible. That's the, the Bible is really talking about the Anunnaki. It's not talking about the creator of you, any universe out here anywhere. All that text came from ancient tablets. I've talked about this so many times. That'll be another future rant where I'll go specifically into direct scriptures and verses, and I'll compare them to the actual information and read them both side by side for you guys on another rant. And maybe that's the next rant that I'll do. But the fact of the matter is they've been coming here for a very long time. The government of the world knows exactly who and what they are, and they don't want you to know exactly specifically who and what they are because then your religious system will collapse and it's a multi-trillion dollar control system. That's what's going on, guys. We're going to go deep into this. I'm going to talk about the rods from God, space weapons that have been developed that can use um, different types of techniques to take out cities and countries without using nuclear devices from space. I'm going to talk about a lot of these weapons, these unacknowledged weapons that, are, that exist and what we're doing with them and how they operate. But I'm also going to tie everything to the ancient past. And I'm going to also show proof of life in our solar system. Proof of life right now today. Not, hum not humans, other people. It's going to be an amazing conference. You're not going to want to miss it. If, you, if this is past July 17th and you're hearing this, then just go to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv and go to Pay-Per-Views and register right there to watch the Forbidden Disclosure Conference, 11-hour conference. You're going to love it. All right? Anyway, that's my rant for today, guys. Um, I think uh, hopefully you got something out of this. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've got a lot to learn. It's our ignorance that has been holding us back. It's our ignorance that has us uh, fighting each other because of fear, the fear that's been pumped into us for generations, fighting one another, attacking one another, hating one another for no reason. Famous quote by Dr. Stephen Greer, what is the color of consciousness? That's one thing that stuck with me when I interviewed him uh, for a show that he did on Gaia, which is probably out by now, once by the time you hear this, or if not, it's going to be out soon. Um, what is the color of consciousness? Think about that. Just let this marinate on that for a moment. All right. Anyway, guys, uh, don't forget about the Rolls Royce giveaway that is uh, on ForbiddenKnowledge.com. You can go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com with the number four. Go to Rolls Royce giveaway. Click on that, and you can register to win a free Rolls Royce. It's my previous Rolls Royce. I am giving it away and I'm raffling it off and taking your money and using it for charity for underprivileged children and single family, uh, single parent families that have final notice electric bills this winter. So it's a good cause. Then you can take that vehicle and sell it and invest that money into your own business, invest in the stock market, buy a house, whatever. It's up to you. I think it's a great cause and a great way to utilize uh, that vehicle instead of just selling it and keeping all the money for myself. I'm going to raffle it off and try to help as many people as I possibly can. So go to the Rolls Royce giveaway on ForbiddenKnowledge.com and check it out. It's been featured on the news and the raffle will be held by a third party. It'll be done at the Rolls-Royce dealership in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Holman Motor Cars on Sunrise Boulevard. All right. Thanks for listening to the Forbidden Rant. Hope you got something out of this today. 
I look forward to talking to you all in the future. And again, text me, 954-245-0086. Text me, 954-245-0086. Text me your questions, and I will be replying. I'm going to spend an extra hour a week replying to those text messages, all right? Peace and love from Forbidden Knowledge. watching Forbidden Knowledge TV. Hey guys, Billy Carson here, Forbidden Knowledge. Do you like my podcast? Well, guess what? Anchor.fm gave me this podcast for free. They give you creation tools that allow you to edit and create your podcast right on your phone or your computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly into your podcast. It's almost like having your own radio show. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you to Apple, Spotify, and many, many more. So go ahead and get started with Anchor.fm today. This is Billy Carson with Forbidden Knowledge, Inc. And I want to announce an amazing giveaway. I am going to be giving away a 2013 Rolls Royce Ghost on December 18th, 2021. All you have to do to enter is... Go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com. That's ForbiddenKnowledge.com with the number four. Click on giveaways and register and buy your ticket for a chance to win a Rolls Royce Ghost on December 18th, 2021. It's going to be an amazing giveaway and it will be held at the Holman Motor Cars where they actually sell the Rolls Royce in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'll see you there. This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one-year anniversary. That's right, one year. And as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30-day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today and use coupon code 30DAYSFREE. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today.